This is the Creator Smarts podcast where you will learn to leverage your online following into a profitable, future-proof education business that you control without being at the mercy of sponsors or algorithm changes. Each week we interview the world's leading creators to find out what strategies they use to diversify, stabilize and grow their businesses. I'm your host, Jan van der Aan. Hey everybody, it's your Dutch friend Jan and you are listening to episode 125 of the Creator Smarts podcast. Uh, welcome back to the podcast. I've been uh, been away for two weeks and that's because we finally managed to make the uh, our, ma- our annual mastermind retreat happen. Uh, we did that in Crete, in Greece last week. So spend a week with some amazing content creators uh, in online education, most of them in language education. And we had a great time. We learned a lot. Um, we talked about business basically all the time. Um, lots of networking, great food. We had lots of fun. Um, we went on a day trip on the Wednesday. Uh, we jumped in the sea, did some snorkeling. So really a combination of fun and also uh, some really interesting business discussions. So yeah, we call this our annual mastermind retreat. And in this episode today, I'm going to share with you some of the lessons that we have learned during this uh, during this retreat. And if you stay until the end of this episode, I'm going to tell you where we're going to host the event next year and how you can participate. So yeah, that's uh, that's my hook. Okay, so hopefully I got your attention now. So let's jump into this and... Um, yeah, I'm going to share with you what we learned on day one, right? So day one was when we did the so-called hot seat sessions. All the participants got 25 minutes where they could present a problem. Uh, and then uh, the rest of the group would give them input and uh, basically answer, uh, give all the answers to the question, okay? Um, so I took notes. I have my notebook in front of me here. So the first participants, this was uh, somebody who had an online course, also had a medium-sized YouTube channel, but he was, uh, you know, recently put a lot of time and effort in growing his channel and he was missing the traction. And uh, we had a lot of successful YouTubers in our group, so he asked the group for advice and he said, how can I, what am I doing wrong? How can I finally gain the traction on my channel? Now, people brought their laptops and and phones, of course, so uh, we um, took a look at his channel and then here are some comments from the group. First of all, somebody recommended him to do some storytelling in his videos. Like his videos were very, um, I should say, high quality, good, but they were very technical and not very entertaining. And the thing is that if you want to play the YouTube game, you need to create the kind of videos that YouTube is going to promote for you, that work for the that the algorithm likes, and. Um, that means that you need to make your videos entertaining. You can do that by doing storytelling, sharing stories, sharing personal stories. That's also how you um, how you become more interesting as a person on YouTube. People like to hear stories. That's something that's working, um, whether you like it or not. And it's also a way to gain trust. People get to know you better. They can relate to you better. You build an emotional connection. Um, it will be more likely to watch the rest of the video, subscribe, or maybe even buy your products. Um, then somebody else said that his videos could be a bit more visual. Like visually, they were not very appealing. Um, somebody else said that he could work on his personal branding. So... 
there, there wasn't very strong personal branding. Like if you want to learn about, I don't know, if you want to learn, I need to come up with a good example on the spot here because I usually don't edit <laughs> my podcast. But if you wanted to learn, uh, I don't know, plumbing, then you want to learn that from somebody who looks like a plumber, who talks like a plumber, right? So this person wasn't necessarily presenting himself as the expert. He didn't really look like the expert. Um, so people give him some ideas for that as well. And then, let's see, what else do we have here? Yeah, so some, if you've heard about YouTube shorts, um, there are lots of people who who managed to blow up their channel by just creating YouTube shorts. And um, that, yeah, this person in question hadn't, hasn't experimented with shorts yet. So that was another idea. I think the overall advice that the person got is, you know, I think all he said, that you need to become a consumer of the content that you want to make, right? So if you want to start a YouTube channel in a specific niche, then, you know, just look what other, what the winners in that specific area are doing. Analyze their videos, you know, do they have good storytelling? Maybe they have very good personal branding. Maybe they have very good video ideas. Maybe there is, you know, particular kind of, or there are particular kind of video ideas, a particular topic that is working very well, that's, that's trending. Um, you know, look at, analyze those channels, become a consumer of the kind of content that you want to make, and then learn your lessons from there. Um, consume that content so that you learn to see new opportunities, um, also called intellectual stimulation. So, you know, YouTube, watching YouTube videos could actually be not be a waste of time as long as you um, you watch it with the right intentions, right? So, uh, yeah, it's um, general advice, but I think it really makes sense. The main lesson that we learned during this session is that if you want to become a better YouTuber, just look at your competition, what's working for them, and um, implement yeah, make changes to your channel. So uh, the person was very attached to the kind of videos that he was making. You know, they were very serious. And um, yeah, he, he found it difficult to make his videos more entertainment. He felt that he was losing credibility. But again, if you want to play the YouTube game, you, you have to, to play according to the rules of YouTube, right? Next. Um, yeah, interesting. This was an interesting case. Um, so this person is teaching a language in a particular market. So not to an English-speaking audience, but um, yeah, in a in a specific country. Um, widely successful. Um, made most of their revenue from ads, uh, running Facebook and Instagram ads, and. Um, had two courses, was doing very well. Uh, it's not a very old, relatively new brand. And um, they wanted more brand awareness and they were thinking about working with, um, doing more PR. So they they hired a PR agent, which um, 
was very expensive they didn't really do that job well they didn't really gain much from it and the question was how do we get more pr now the first thing that we as a group challenge them on is why do you want more pr why is that where you want to spend your time and your money because you know if you have tons of traction in the business people liking your courses you're getting lots of traffic courses are working then why not create more courses right that that's probably uh, yeah that would have been the number one strategy to to grow their business so we challenge them on the idea why do you want to work with with pr agents why do you want to become more famous in the country um we are teaching um so we challenged them on if that was the right question and they said yeah we we know but you know we want to build a business that we want that we want to create and uh you know this is just the cherry on top this is just the the kind of prestige a prestige project so okay that was fair enough so once they once we we understood that um yeah we, we basically did a lot of brainstorming of things that they can do themselves to get more publicity um reach out to journalists on twitter uh apply for certain rewards um join business networking groups talk to youtube pr teams uh speak at events conferences um we created a huge list of things that they could could do to become uh, more famous we also said that pr agencies in general are very expensive um you know can still work if you have a very big business but this was just a, a two-man operation so we recommended them to do some you know some outreach themselves first and uh, once again in traction they could maybe outsource this through maybe hiring somebody or uh, if they really had the budget through uh, PR agencies but they didn't have really good experience with that so far next one again youtuber uh, big channel her problem was that she was not very consistent so you know if she was in a good mood then she would create tons of of content you would be very productive and then if she uh, when she doesn't feel like working she was not not just that productive and would do i don't know would go on a, on a holiday and would not work at all for a few weeks so uh, the business was not very stable and uh, yeah that was main, mainly thanks to her um uh, <laughs> changes in motivation or in mood and um she said yeah how can i how can i stabilize my business and how can i how can i fix myself and you know the advice that she got from the group is that it's completely fine to be chaotic you know the reason that she's so chaotic is also one of the reasons that her content or the business was so successful in the first place so you know we all have different personalities and um some people are very um stable uh, consistent and other people just have these mood swings and sometimes are super motivated and sometimes not and that's completely fine both can work so uh, that was the first lesson that it's completely fine um then secondly if you want to make the business more stable then most likely you it's going to make a lot of sense to hire an implementer right so somebody who takes care of the uh, the day-to-day operations of the business um another thing that could help 
if you're not consistent is to have an accountability partner so this could be a peer somebody else a friend who checks in with you once per week or maybe multiple times a week and where you discuss your to-do list and what you have done why you haven't done your things somebody who can keep you accountable um, you can also get a coach who keeps you accountable um, you know, and it could even be as simple as hiring a cameraman. So if you're not very consistent in creating YouTube videos, for example, and you know that ideally you publish a video every single week, um, you know, why not plan one day per week, sorry, one day per month where you hire a cameraman who shows up at the front of your door and, uh, you know, who comes to your house to, to batch videos once per month, to shoot four videos. And then the video, and then you can send it to your video editor and they can take care of the rest. So the main idea here is to take the obstacles away to make things easier, right? Whatever that you're struggling with. So is it, if, if it's with content creation, um, yeah, it's going to make a lot of sense to to hire a coach or to work with an accountability partner or maybe hammer a cameraman, hire a cameraman or another team member who just keeps you accountable, who's going to show up you know, once per week, every day, it doesn't really matter, and it keeps you accountable. Number four. <laughs> yeah, this was an interesting case. So, again, highly successful uh, content creator, huge online following. And um, he said, man, it's so hard to create high-quality content and at the same time build your course ecosystem. How can I do how can I do everything? The thing is that it's very hard to grow everything at the same time, right? So if you want to grow and your YouTube channel and on top of that build a bunch of courses and you need to take care of the day-to-day -day operations, uh, it's going to be very hard. So the day-to-day -day operations can be outsourced. You can probably find an operational manager or a team member an assistant. And then um and then you have to choose between doubling down on constant content strategy or building out your course ecosystem right and he said that they've been so busy recently and he just can't do everything at the same time so the group said that it's okay to take a break from youtube um the kind of videos that they create is of very high content is a lot of work and we said that you know there are multiple quite a few people in the group who have taken a break from youtube in the past and the algorithm hasn't really punished them for that so it's okay other things that you can do if you don't want to um if you don't want to stop creating content for a while is to for example reuse scripts from the past from videos that you've published four or five years ago and that did very well um you can also make reaction videos so react to a video that you published four or five years ago um, so these are the kind of videos that will perform well and that do not necessarily take a lot of time to create so um, yeah option number one if you're overwhelmed by everything and you feel like you can't do everything at the same time is to pause publishing videos on youtube for a while for a few months that's fine um, if you don't want to do that that in the worst case think about ways to create high valuable content um, but don't take so much effort, for example, by reusing scripts um, or doing reaction videos. We had a few more ideas there. Um, you know, and then, yeah, so if he pauses, 
if he stops publishing videos on YouTube for a while, then he can spend 100% of his time and focus on building the course ecosystem. They already have a ton of traffic, um, so it wasn't really a traffic problem. Uh, conversion was okay, but it just didn't have enough courses to offer, and maybe the uh, the, e the course ecosystem that they had was not fully optimized. So, um, yeah, the person in question is going to double down on that, uh, probably until the end of the year, and then uh, they're probably going to get back to content creation. And then, you know, that traffic that they're going to get is going to become much more valuable because they now actually have a proper backhand. Um, another question that was asked during the session is, you know, this 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 content creation thing, when is it going to stop, you know? Uh, so many creators feel that they are stuck on the, uh, the, the YouTube hamster wheel where you need to keep creating content forever, right? And, um, you know, the thing is that it's probably true. If you stop creating content, eventually YouTube is gonna and your audience is gonna forget about you, right? You're not top of mind anymore. Um, but if you build a proper business by the time you don't want to do YouTube anymore, it means you're gonna have some income, right? You're gonna have money, you're gonna have funds, and you can then use that money to eventually transition from a personal brand to building a. a a business brand where the brand is not all about you anymore but more about the methodology but you know that's something that should be thinking be thinking about during the first five years i think you first need to make sure that you have a proper business in place that you have the actual funds um but that could be a, a way out from the uh, youtube hamster wheel eventually but i think yeah, we also need to stay realistic and uh if you want to build a strong personal brand first that's gonna yeah it's gonna take time and uh at least a few years uh to do that next person yeah no yeah this was a <laughs> another interesting case so um the person in question builds a very successful business in a niche that is not in a market that's not you know where people do not really have the most purchasing power and um it's a Okay, I've built this business. Um, I have a very comfortable life. But lots of people in my target market don't have credit cards or they just don't have, they, they can't afford my courses. So maybe I should start selling something to a completely new market. Um, but I forgot, you know, he said, I've, I've built this audience on YouTube, but I forgot really how I did it. So, so can you guys tell me how you would go about creating a completely new YouTube channel for a new market? And um, yeah, we, we stopped him right there. And we said, wait, you just built this business, highly successful, you live a very comfortable life. And now you say that you want to do something else. Why is that? And... Um, so we, we challenged them on that question. I mean, we said there is, you know, there's so many people making tons of money in the market that you are serving. And now you are saying that the market is not good enough. Are you are you completely sure about that? And um, yeah, he actually admitted that, <laughs> that maybe the thing that he was thinking about, the new project was just another shiny object. And, you know, this is a typical entrepreneurial mistake. We build a business. But then at a certain stage, we feel friction and we see all these shiny objects and we want to jump on another project. 
and that's a typical mistake that most entrepreneurs make that I've made many times myself. So I think it was very important that we mentioned that during his session. And um, so we tried to dig a bit and try to figure out why exactly he wasn't so passionate about, about the main project anymore. And um, uh, by the way, when you reach this kind of friction point in your business, there are three things that you can do, right? So you can develop new skills, develop new traits, or to change your beliefs. In his case, he needed to change his beliefs because he thought that his market was, was no longer profitable, which is completely nonsense because there's millions and millions uh, going around in the market that he, that he is serving. Um, so, yeah, most of the people in the group was actually telling him that and then that was where he was actually like, oh, okay, shit, yeah, maybe you guys are right. Maybe I should just try to, to figure out um, what kind of friction that I'm facing in my business and um, find a way to overcome that, right? So, yeah, the, the question was how that, that we ask him is, you know, if... So first we're asking him, why do you want to do something new? And he said, well, it's about the markets and, you know, and also it's maybe not so fun anymore. I just enjoy doing new things. So the question we ask him is, okay, so how can you make the current project more fun? And... Um, yeah, that's uh, th that's what we talked about. And during the session, we came up with other ideas to make the project more fun, to overcome some of the struggles that he was facing in his business. Um, uh, you know, we came up with way he could challenge himself within the current business. For example, by uh, learning more about copywriting, become a better copyright, becoming a better copywriting, um, split testing lead magnets, and all those kind of things. And uh, you know, once we started talking about all the things, and he started seeing the potential of the business, he actually became more excited, and he decided to to just double down on the existing business and. Um, and continue with that because that's where the biggest opportunity is all right next one um yeah so this um this person built a business uh based of a blog it's doing also pretty well um making at least a full-time income um, but most recently, he actually figured out, well, yeah, he was asked to do some, uh, it was like a marketing-related task for another company. And um, it was an extreme success. So it was a marketing, a marketing gig for another uh, online business owner, basically. And it was a huge success. He made a lot of money with that. Uh, the guy also really liked marketing and working for clients. He had experience in uh, you know, customer support and really likes serving uh, other people. And, um, you know, that, that project that he did on the site was actually much more profitable than the current project that he's working on. And he also really liked it. So his question was, if I want to build this, this new business, then how, how can I do that? And uh, we came up with uh, three things that you could do. First of all, go back to the client that he already worked for and ask if the person has more projects for him. Go to that same person, ask for referrals. Now, maybe his client does have friends who would like to use similar kind of services. 
um, then he could reach out to everybody that he, is, he already knows in the industry he thinks could benefit from his server, sorry, from his services. And then eventually, uh, after he's done those first three things, is to build your dream 100, right? So, And that's actually quite similar to what we're doing on the podcast here. So make a list of your ideal, your 100 ideal dream clients and uh, try to find a way to, you know, to, to start building a relationship with them. And there's many ways you can do that by, for example, adding adding value, sen- sending them valuable content, a podcast episode, for example, or do an audit of their website, um, give useful feedback on their course, buy their course, um, hire them for a consultation, invite them for a podcast interview. You know, there's all kinds of things that you can do to start building relationship with your, you know, with the dream 100 as, as Russell Brunson calls it. Um, yeah. So that was basically it. Fourth. So if you wanted to grow up that service-based business, the four things that you should do first, go back to his previous client, ask if there is more work, go to that same client, ask if he has any friends, ask for referrals, ask if he has friends who can do more work. Uh, sorry, who have, uh, you could also benefit from the services. Um, reach out to friends who could potentially benefit from the services and then build your dream 100, start building relationships and then eventually see uh, if they're interested in his service. All right, next one. I have a few more. Um, yeah, so this was a person who still has, who still works a full-time job um well-paid job but he also built this blog on the side where he uh where he, where he sells language courses and um he's making sales he shares some numbers we worked out the numbers and actually turned out that his conversion rates were pretty good um he did have a few courses which were selling at a pretty good price point so if conversion and the courses are not the problem that means, uh, you know, that he has a, a traffic problem. So if you want more more traffic, then what do you do? Yeah, you need to start creating contents. Of course, ads are another option, but, you know, it's hard to make that work in the long run, in my experience. And, um, yeah, we, we teach people on the podcast here to build a strong future-proof business, right? So we recommended him to uh, start creating organic traffic by creating content. Now, the problem is that the person works four days per week. So if you want to grow a business, there are three things that you can leverage, right? Labor, aka employees, the person doesn't have any employees. Um, Time, the person didn't have much time because he had to work a full-time job. Um, and then another thing that you can leverage is capital, right? Now, the person in question di- does have savings. Um, so we recommended him to use that money to hire content writers for his blog and uh, yeah, create more traffic that way. So basically, take the money that he has and reinvest in the business. And um, at the beginning, he, he wasn't so sure about that. And then I ask him, I say, okay, but what else are you going to do with that money? You're just going to leave it in the bank? You're going to invest it in stocks? Like where can you better 
invest your own money than in your own business. And uh, especially if you already have um, some proof, right? If you have good conversion and you already have all these courses, then where else can you invest your money and get a better ROI on uh, on your investments than your own blog? And um, yeah, I think you just needed to hear that from the group. So during the event, he um, he actually created a blog post, a blog post, um, a job post. And he started screening uh, his first applicants for well, for that for that job. So that was uh, that was kind of a, kind of a, quite a breakthrough there. How many more shall we do? Let's see. We're at almost half an hour. I'm gonna share yeah two more two more case studies here, and then I'm gonna reveal where we're gonna organize this mastermind event next year. Okay, you still there? Hopefully. Okay, so this person asked, how can I sell more memberships? So the main source of his revenue came from memberships, right? And we challenged him on that question. Most of the time, that's what we do first, you know, because we need to make sure that people ask the right question, right? If we give the answer to the wrong question, eventually they're not going to get the outcome, the results. They're not going to get a useful solution, right? So he said, how do I sell more memberships? And we said, okay, is that, you know, you're sure that's a real question? Or do you want to know how to grow the overall revenue of your business and you say well actually yeah i just want to grow the business so you say okay explain explain to me how the business works so well i have an intermediate course and this was also for a language you say i have a, a beginner course an intermediate course and i have this membership um, but i focus on selling the membership because the membership is going to give me a uh, recurring revenue every every single month right and then we said yeah we, we challenged him on that idea on selling on, on the idea of selling a membership first because the first thing you want to do the first in general the first thing that you want to offer to your audience is a one-off course because people in general don't like memberships they don't like subscriptions they don't like to pay for something every single month unless it's Netflix I guess so ideally you first sell an expensive course a one-off course and you get all that money up front and um you know as a business you want to you want to have cash right you want to have cash in your bank account because you can then use that to reinvest in the business also if you charge for um if you sell an expensive product first it's also a great way to qualify your clients right you know you're going to get quality clients if they're willing to pay one to three hundred dollars on a product and then they're, they're they're much likely as a business you want to work with clients who are willing to to spend money you want to focus on those guys because that's where the business is so we suggested him to sell the one-off course that he has first put him on a buyer list and then upsell them the subscription later right so you could still have that that membership but to sell it only sell it to people who have bought one of the one-off courses or to people who have been pitched the one-off courses, but who didn't buy, so that you can then actually downsell them the um, the membership. Maybe they're not willing to pay uh, two hundred dollars in one go, but you know they might be willing to pay twenty-five dollars per month. So 
I think the main strategy here that we share with him is to sell one of course first and then either upsell or downsell the membership later. And uh, there's another trick that you can do there because once you sell them the membership, you know, let's say that one month and then after, let's say that they buy the membership, then after one month, you can actually try to upsell them the annual plan where you say, okay, you can get access for one year for this one-off fee. So the aim of the strategy that we're sharing here is to actually increase the average customer value, right? Because we want to grow, we want to grow the business and you can do that by doing two things, getting more clients and getting them to spend more, right? If somebody is already in the membership, you know, and they're getting content every single month, they're not very likely to, to buy the one-off course. So the strategy here, first sell, sell them the one-off course, get money up front, make sure to qualify your customers, and then you can always upsell or downsell the, um, the membership. And in our experience, this kind of strategy increases the average customer value and eventually also the amount of revenue that your business is making so he was gonna yeah he was i think he already started implementing these new systems in his business and of course when you make these changes it's important to track the numbers right to keep track of the numbers to look at the data and to um to make sure that the business is actually growing all right let's see what else do we have here i'm going to share one more one more case study and then um, I'm going to give you guys a bonus one because Oli also wanted a hot seat session. Um, yeah, so I'm going to share with you the question that he asked and some of the feedback that he got from the group. Okay, so next person. Um, so the first question here is, do I need a personal brand or a business brand? And we talked about this before on the podcast. Um, the benefits of having a personal brand is that you're going to be able to compete against the big companies, right? For beginners, starting businesses is very hard to compete against like the the giants like Duolingo or the Bell. So the number one way we can compete is by making it very personal. People want to do business with other people. People want to learn from other people. So in general, we always recommend... um, uh, you to start with a personal brand now and this person was yeah but you know maybe it's hard to sell a personal brand uh, maybe i should create a business brand instead and um of course that's true but you know like, do you want to sell your business and she said well actually no i'm quite happy with the business that i've built now and, and with the work that i that i have to do every week so okay then you know why not just keep a personal brand and maybe one day when you i don't know when you want to retire you can make you know the the brand you've built more about the systems and the teaching style and the methodology bring other people in who can uh, help you present the, the youtube videos but the number one opportunity now is to monetize the personal brand that you've built and um, yeah, once we've we closed all the doors and we got that out of the way, uh, she she fully agreed. And um, she had a question about how to build a course ecosystem. Um, how to you know how to know what courses to create and then watch order. And uh, we actually did an in-depth podcast episode on this 
on how to build a million dollar ecosystem and um, yeah if you want to listen to that then just go back to episode 114 and this was actually a presentation that Oli gave during one of our inner circle meetings and uh, yeah he's really going deep into the topic there on how to go about building a course ecosystem make sure to check that so well then it was about five o'clock the end of the afternoon and then Oli came to to the front and he said okay now being here with all you you know, with all these YouTubers, I uh, just wanted to take advantage of the uh, of the situation and ask you guys for some feedback on my YouTube channel since we have so many su- successful YouTubers in the group, right? So, yeah, his question was, how can I how can I become a better YouTuber? How can I improve my channel? And uh, interestingly enough, people didn't really have any any advice because <laughs> it seemed like Oli was already doing the right thing there. Great video ideas, which I've helped him with, by the way. Um, great thumbnails, great video titles. The first 30 seconds of his videos are great. Uh, he has a great hook. Um, he has very good fast-paced video editing. Great script that keeps the um, the viewer interested. Um, very high viewer retention. And um, the numbers back that up as well. Like his channel is really booming. You can just look it up on YouTube. The uh, name of his channel is Oli Richards. And um, yeah, people didn't really have much advice. They seemed to be doing everything correctly, the right way. Um, so then I said, what about YouTube Shorts? He said, yeah, what about it? Because, you know, as I said in the beginning of this episode, there's quite a few... Uh, YouTubers who used to be very small but then they started doing YouTube shorts and they managed to grow their channels very quickly and um, you know then we had the discussion about should you do YouTube shorts and this is entirely you know that's a difficult a different discussion Um, I do listen to a lot of podcasts and to interviews with some of the biggest creators in the world the reality is that you know people even the biggest creators in the world don't don't know what they're doing with youtube shorts some of them start a separate channel some of them are doing it on the main channel some of them are not doing any shorts at all it's just very hard you know some of them say that it can damage your algorithm because your viewer retention or your average view duration will go down right youtube shorts only last one minute so people cannot watch for longer than a minute and youtube um can see that if they youtube sees that people are not spending much time on one of your videos they might actually uh, not put you yeah they, they might punish you in in the or the algorithm might actually punish you for that and not show you in the uh, in the in the news feed so we had this discussion um should you do shorts or not and the reality is nobody really knows and youtube definitely doesn't want their creators to start separate channels for shorts so what we're probably going to see in the future is that there's going to be two separate tabs on your uh, on your channel uh, one for shorts and one for the main videos and um yeah youtube is also improving its algorithm all the time so yeah, it's it, very likely that they're working, you know, on the algorithm, improving it and make sure that people don't get punished when they create YouTube shorts. But again, all of this is speculation. Nobody really knows whether they should do it. So um, as Reed Dutcher said from Creator Economics podcast, um, people should experience with it and see if it works for their channel. So yeah, all these 
will definitely, um, at least he said that he's going to experiment with shorts on his channel. And the way to go about it is to, um, this is actually an idea that I saw from, that somebody else was doing. Um, so I recommend Holly to to go back and look at one of the most successful videos that he, that he has published so far. I think one of the better performing videos was, um, I think like the, the five hardest languages for English speakers. They basically rewrite the script for that video, um, but this time a one-minute script to re-record the video and then publish it at shorts and see um, how it's going to perform. Basically do the experiment for maybe... 10 videos um, look at the data see if it helps the channel grow if it does do more of that if it doesn't work just stop doing it so um, yeah that's uh, probably the lesson that he got from his session well this was probably the longest solo episode that I've done so far um, yeah, we are around the, the 40 minute mark so if this sounds like you know if you if you listen to this episode and you think, well, it would actually be fun to to come to one of those events and, you know, spend time with all these cool people, and of course, with Oli and, and me, and um, get feedback on your business, and learn from each other in a five days mastermind retreat. Yeah, and um, then let me announce where we're going to organize the next event, right? So the event is going to take place from the 25th to the 30th of September 2022 and for the very first time we're going to run this event in the Americas in um, in Mexico uh, we'll be in the Cancun area between Cancun and Tulum and that's actually also the place where Creator Smart or where these mastermind events were born uh, because it was actually four or five years ago that I went on a trip to Mexico with Oli. We were walking along the beach in Tulum. And Oli said, you know what, maybe we should organize these kind of trips. But then for all the people in our industry and, um, you know, do these mastermind retreats. So that was the place where the mastermind was born. And we're going back there. And if you're listening, then we invite you to come as well. The thing is that there is only 12 spots for these events. And um, we haven't really... We, we haven't started selling tickets yet. There is a waiting list on the website. Um, we already have over 12 applications and uh, there is only 12 spots. So um, if you want to come, then just fill out, you know, apply for the event. And um, if we end up with more applications than we originally thought, we might, yeah, we might actually throw another um, a second event in that same location one week after the um uh, after the first mastermind right so just go to creatorsmarts.com and then on the top in the top menu there is a button which has mastermind retreats and you can find more information about the event and uh, you can also apply there all right that was it for this week i hope that you like this episode feel free to um send me a dm on instagram or an email to let me know because the downside of running a podcast is that it's very silent. You don't get any direct feedback. And, uh, you know, I'm always like to hearing from you guys. So let me know. And um, next week we'll be, be back. We'll be doing some more interviews over the next few weeks. So yeah, looking forward to seeing you then. Ciao.
Alright, thanks for listening to this episode. And if you like this episode, then please give it a positive rating in whatever podcast app that you're using. And if you want to listen to other interviews or just learn more about what we do, then make sure to go to our website, creatorsmart.com. See you on the next episode. Ciao.